Hi, if I could take a moment of your time before we start, if you've enjoyed previous episodes or if you enjoy this episode, if you could subscribe on the platform that you listen to, that would be really helpful. It helps us get more guests and push the podcast forward. Thanks. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Car Chat Podcast. And with us this week, we have Merlin McCormack. Hello. Good morning, Sam. How are you? Very good. Very good. Um, for those uh, that have not come across you before, I think we're almost reaching the end of this by at some point because you've been on it. This is probably three three times, maybe, something time, like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, if you want to know Merlin's sort of story of, and how this build, business has sort of built up a little bit, you can go and check out the earlier podcast which i'll put in the description but for those of you that have not come across you can you just give like a two second summary of who you are what we do and, and sort of where we are i guess yeah so we're sat in our building in brentford in west london we've got a classic car and supercar dealership come hub and it houses a multitude of businesses of all kind of industries a lot of automotive so we've got detailers on site restoration business storage site uh, and as well as hospitality stuff. So we have a wine and cocktail bar, event space, uh, pizza restaurant, coffee shop. What else have we got? Yeah, pub. Um, <laughs> there's about 55 businesses here now. Uh, and we've also extended out. We have four other smaller sites uh, in the area, Brentford and Richmond. Oh, do you? Yeah. Um, so we've now, we're have now up to about 80 of these creative workspaces. So that oh, really? is everything from the customer-facing stuff, as aforementioned, and also office space, artist studios, music studios, things like that. Oh, cool. Because I know um, I was, someone was asking me about this site recently, um, and I was trying to think because because there's a there's a fixed timeline on this place. Yeah. Isn't there? <laughs> the the uh, the thing that keeps me awake at night. Um, <laughs> so we were supposed to be here for about eighteen to twenty four months. We took the space on in twenty nineteen, and we have had state of execution after state of execution. Um, COVID followed by financial crises um, of setback the developers' plans to demolish and build on the site. Um, we was, we had it on the meanwhile use basis, we still do, but we've um, been very lucky in terms of how delayed things have been from our side. I don't think they're quite so happy about it, um, but that's the way of the world. Uh, we are coming towards the end of it, though. Um, the kind of finish line's in sight. We will be moving into our new site regardless in spring and fitting that out and opening for summer next year. Have you have you said where that is going to be? So it's, this is kind of all being drip fed at the moment because we're still in the kind of design process of it. But the site itself is secured. We've got a site that 500 meters away, still under the same developer, oh, cool. uh, Ballymore, uh, the Brentford project. They've done an amazing job and been really, really incredible to us in helping us find a new space. Um, it's taking over about a th- well, not even a third, probably about a fifth of a multi-story car park. The ground floor levels, oh. yes, yeah, so yeah. it's literally around the corner. Um, so the ground floor levels are um, a combination of what was destined to be public parking. Uh, so we're privatizing that. And then on the uh, south side of the car park, it's completely river fronted. It's oh, nice. awesome. It's got its own little private terrace. You've got this triple height retail space that we've taken on as part of the showroom that was destined to be a boat storage facility okay. uh, with snackers in. So obviously it's a huge cabinet space. 
um, that was again going to house boats. So it's perfect for us to then come in and put a shop front on it. We're going to have nice triple height glazing concertina yeah. in the summer. It'd be awesome because we can spell out onto the waterside. Um, still host the car meets. We've then taken over some space up on the upper levels of the car parks. We've got this open air rooftop, about 14,000 square foot on the roof, with the most insane views of where we're situated at the moment, south facing. Obviously, the, the best view. There's nothing that's going to get developed. So we've got like Kew Gardens, Richmond Park, yeah, Simon yeah. Park. So you've got this insane vista that takes you all the way over to, you, know, you see the cliche Shard and Curry yeah. Wharf and London Eye and whatever else. And uh, we do a lot of filming work up there. We hire it out for film location work. That will become a kind of destination space for our car meets and events and stuff. Okay. Then during the wetter months, we can do it on the internal levels of the car park yeah. further down. We're also going to open a car storage facility in there. So we'll have, uh, based on what we've got already, we'll have an additional 40 spaces on top of what we already offer um, for secure car storage. Um, and yeah, we'll be taking quite a few of the businesses that are with us either over into the car park or into an adjacent building that we've taken next door as well. Uh, so there's some of the creative workspaces and tenants. So trying to keep the community that we've built alive. Yeah. Um, obviously, yeah, naturally, it, it can't be replicated, certainly not in the same footprint that we've got here. Um, I think there's about a 20,000 square foot disparity between current and the future. But future places, you know, permanent, it's on a very long lease and we can kind of relax into it and make it our own. The factory where we're sat at the moment, the building that's you know, with the impending doom, because uh, <laughs> um, we only thought we were going to have it for 18 months and frankly, because it was all we could afford to do at the time, yeah. we built it to a standard. Um, to last for a couple of years yeah. at best. So we spent the last three years, you know, patching holes and <laughs> uh, keeping on top of it. And people have been amazingly sympathetic through it. And I think that kind of adds to the charm and the character of the place. And they can see that the, yeah, the, the bigger picture, but it drives me crazy because I want it to all be perfect. So the new place will be a completely different vibe. Um, my girlfriend, George, is behind the interior design of the place and she's going to be kind of <laughs> keeping me in check on, on what it can and can't be. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a complete rebrand essentially when we open as well. That's... That that must be is it like you, you're looking into the future and obviously there's all this you've built it up through the various stages this is site number two this is site I mean but this is the, site number three <clears throat> in total yeah, for, for the front facing stuff but we've had lots of sort of satellite properties as well along the way but the first site we had was down at Kew Bridge under what's now the new Brentford Football Club Stadium so we oh, rented yeah. the space off of Brentford Football Club for about you just shy of two years when we first started up. Um, beautiful old uh, 1890s warehouse, like stable building. Um, but we could get a real like cramming push night yeah. cars in there. Yeah, I remember um, that. And then we, that's where we started like the classics and cake meats. We shared the the yard that we had out the front with a wood recycling plant. So the dust down there. <laughs> <laughs> horrific. Uh, and then we moved in with Valleymore to the first site that we had with them, um, which is now a block of flats next door. And that's just kind of, yeah, we've grown from there. And they saw the kind of, the way we were um, repurposing the, the buildings that we were having off of them. So they kept giving us more and more and more of these sort of meanwhile use buildings until they needed them back to develop them. So we've been able to grow our portfolio of tenants during that time um, and expand on it being a destination for the car community and the local community too. Yeah, it's been really cool seeing it grow over time, like since that. Oh, thank you, man. I, I, I don't know whether it was that I remember some sort of, was it was it classics and cake or it could have even been like an opening night or something at the first venue yeah in the small little building and then when you came here and you're like we've got all this space but like i don't know what we're <laughs> gonna do with it and yeah. it's like kind of needs looking after a bit and then you've just like filled it out and then oh, we've literally rented out every cupboard under the stairs <laughs> and each time i come back i look and go oh no you've somehow like Another space has been created, <laughs> created within yeah, this space. Like there's a there's a hairdresser in an airstream outside now. Yeah, um, he's great, Timothy. It. Yeah, he's uh, that, that, it's it's again though having something like that that gives people majority of his uh, clientele forty to sixty year old women who would never really per se have much. They're not you know, necessarily car people. They wouldn't have yeah. a, a real meaning to come down here, reason to come down here, and it brings in a whole new lease of life. And there's no separation really between us and them because we've got the coffee shop situated within yeah. the showroom, it's still, it's like a, a sort of gateway for them to come in and we're not trying to sell them cars. It's just trying to get everyone in and around this sort of immersive experience of it. And it, it, it's funny to see how their attitude towards it initially can sometimes be quite, oh, why, why, yeah, questioning why they're coming yeah. to the old derelict warehouse in Brentford. <laughs> and they, it, it's, it's so heartwarming to see how they all warm to the space itself. Yeah, because the initial, the initial sort of impression as you're coming in, it's like part of this massive development 
And now the entrance has changed. That confused me this morning. <laughs> um, and you turn up and you're like, okay, there's a lot of cars and stuff. And then you sort of, I had come in through the cars. So it was always like, yeah, fine. I, I sort of knew about it. But yeah, as a random person, I can see. It's like, a bit chaotic. I, I want to yeah. go to the, the, get a coffee from Coffeeology. Um, okay, right. And then you start everything, as you say, it's like massively integrated. As um, your, like what you do day to day, because I know originally it was sort of the cars and selling cars, and then you started sort of subletting tenants. Apologies for the uh, the cars driving around, but sort of the nature, <laughs> of, the nature of the place. Um, and now you've, you're saying, you know, you've got multiple sites, um, managing so many different tenants. What what are you now doing sort of day to day? And what like what's in your head in terms of what have you got to deal with? I'm really lucky to have an incredible team of people around me. So that kind of helps prop up a lot of the management of the bolt-on businesses. Yeah. Um, so the like I said, the tenanted space is, is it's a full-time job in itself to manage that. So we've got someone who does that. We yeah. we do a hell of a lot of um, like film and photography location work. Mm. Uh, so at any one time, we probably have three days out of five of the working week with something going on at one of the sites. All the other properties we've got are period interesting spaces as well none of these are like new build prefab offices or anything yeah. like that so i mean today for instance we've got um a particular online search engine filming at our place in richmond oh cool and um, they've been there for three days and uh, we live in part of it so we've been staying yeah. in a hotel for the last few <laughs> nights it kicked us out of the house um but that's again a full-time job for somebody so luke runs that and uh sales is still a huge focus of my that's uh, where i portion a lot of my time so yeah um, so in terms of yeah, consigning and selling the cars, uh, but then things like the management of the online marketing and that, getting the stock online, writing the uh, copy for the, whatever, yeah, yeah. for the photos. Um, yeah, so Charles, who's working with us, does a lot of our photography and helps with the online management stuff. And um, we work with a couple of copywriters who help us write the adverts, or if not, I'll write them. Uh, and storage, again, another job for somebody else. So it's, it's just trying to kind of delegate as best possible, you know, without... A, being too much of a control freak over how it's done, but B, making sure that the kind of um, the, the voice of the brand isn't yeah. lost. And we're not, you know, there's no brand that we're sat here that dictated by. It's it's just, I don't ever want it to become a polished, another space that's yeah. you know, lost within a kind of saturated market. I think the it's not for everyone and we're never trying to appease everyone, but equally we we kind of aware that we don't ever want to become some sort of sellout brand yeah. type experience it's still kind of like a very informal personable place that you know we're not motivated by much beyond trying to keep this car scene alive as long as we can make a few quid along the way we're happy yeah do you think when you move to the new space is it going to be a bit more well, it's going to be a bit more polished it's going to have to be <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah it will be more polished and we will have to we're going to be shifting a lot of um for instance the the sales stuff that we do we're going to be um focusing that a bit more on certain cars um just because we are then restricted on the space that we've got we've also got the cobbler who's joined us downstairs yeah <laughs> with his hammer he's still very uh, prevalent as you can tell <laughs> I mean, this is quite an authentic immersive podcast it really is it is it's like okay you've got some cars we out there we've got the cobbler it's a hive of activity yeah, I'm waiting for the dog to start barking. Dog right? start barking. We haven't got any coffee machines today. No, that's usually not, the next thing. Coffee not open. Um, so, in that, in that, the car park space, the various spaces within that, are you going to have some of these businesses? Are they going to be there in there as well? Yeah. So we're going to be opening a a new dedicated food space. So you know, wait and see how that pans out. It's going to be a bit different from the food offering we've got here. Um, Santa Maria are sadly leaving us uh, as we vacate this place. So they're going off, uh, they're, they're thinning down their sort of uh, locations. Um, so I think we've had a great run of it with them, but equally I think I'm really keen to kind of bring some new life into the yeah. space and a yeah, different offering that's still kind of as universally adored like pizza is. But it, I think what we've got in mind should be, I think it's going to work actually, yeah. work even better. Um, the, we'll still have the coffee shop, the plonkers, the wine and cocktail bar will still dominate the sort of frontage of the space especially with it being river frontage in the summer that we can spill out onto the cobbles oh, yeah. and that's then going to be the side of the business that still hosts these private events and parties and whatever else and at the moment we're doing one or two a week of these be it um, you know, birthday parties or private corporate events tomorrow night we've got Classic Driver here hosting their 25th anniversary and oh nice if you're around come on down I think you should have had an invite but 
I'm, I'm, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, thanks for the input. Um, I, can, I can never make anything these days. Um, but yeah, that's it's, it's so you. When I looked at the the diary of like sort of the events now going on, you have so many things and different varieties. Plonkers wine bar is that a an evolution I think last time I was here it definitely didn't look like it looked now um, it was a space there was definitely some wine activity yeah, is so that we, the same thing that's evolved no, or is it different it's, 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 it occupies the same space but we, we started off initially by trying to open a sort of a bottle shop wine shop to be blunt there wasn't the footfall for it in Brentford yet mm -hmm. with the development kind of coming to a head now I think if we opened it now we'd probably be alright but within six months of it being open it became quite apparent that the we opened in the evenings as a bottle shop as a bar yeah. and that was hugely popular but the bottle shop side of it trying to be a retail didn't, um, really, work. didn't really work I'm happy to admit that you know you, you learn along the way right um, but what it then taught us was that there was a huge demand for a new bar in the area something yeah. that could be like as, as flexible as it is so it's, it's contained within about a 500 square foot space that can spill out into the car showroom so we clear out a lot of these cars for these events and we, we can yeah, fence off everything so everything's still secure and safe but it frees up this huge sort of 2,000 square foot you know, dance floor for want of a better state yeah. a better word. we've got a huge glitter ball above it now a purpose built <laughs> DJ booth and so it's a total turnkey party space um, so that's become its own kind of business it, it started yeah it's one of the few things that i wanted to keep in-house as well so a lot of the other businesses are obviously talented or joint yeah. ventures or partnerships plonkers is sort of exclusively mine because i wanted to have the kind of control over yeah. what went on here after hours um and it's worked really well I've got an amazing team behind that as well again georgia was behind the interior design of the new space done an amazing job with that yeah it looks pretty um, sick yeah it's, it's very it's, it that's a, a kind of good nod and hint to what the new space is going to be like um, throughout i'm very excited to see what this new place is because if you take that and you can have a look on the website and see what it looks like, etc. If you're if you're listening, um, but if you take that sort of vibe, a little bit of got a little bit of that vibe in here, but not quite the same, um, <laughs> and then take that into like a proper venue, yeah, which it will be on the riverfront, yeah, and with the That's cars quite in a and different around, it's going to be cool experience to anywhere else. I think this is, and you know, we're not trying to do that thing of like, this has to be so different from everything. We can't be the same as whatever. Obviously, we're inspired by a lot of stuff that's been and gone and exists yeah. today, but. Um, Ultimately, we want a, a bigger and better focus on the cars. The way that the building's also laid out here has been a logistical nightmare. The fact we're moving into what is a purpose-built car park, for me to get cars in and out of it, it's going to be a dream compared yeah. to what we've got. The noise in the background at the moment is them using the car lift to get yet another car upstairs. Right, yeah. This morning, for instance, we've had a customer you know, phone us. He's bought a car. You know, I'll pick it up at some point. So we've stored it down the back of the showroom. I want it now. And we've had to move 12 cars up yeah. and down. It's five minutes a car on the lift. And yeah, yeah, what can you is. do? Um, so if everyone who just started with us to help manage the storage stuff, I mean, he's, he's got a full-time job basically moving these things around. Yeah. Um, which is good. We needed it. But um, yeah, so the, the kind of, the space will be a bit better laid out and functional for us. It's going to make things a lot more efficient. Um, but yeah, looking forward. It's, and I presume the, the plan, the sort of plans are, are going in and up. Is fitting out a car park, like, does it have some issues? Mm. I know you've you've dealt with a lot of stuff doing this, so you've learned a lot. But we've got away with a lot here, to be blunt, because the building was sort of scheduled for demolition. So there's a lot of things that obviously we've had to comply to like building regulations yeah. and fire controls and like, it, health and safety planning wise. It all meets its yeah um, what it needs to do. Yeah, yeah, what it needs to do. But being a, a car park, and with fact we've got, got we've got the change of usage on it from car park to sort of retail space. We've had to yeah. There's a hell of a lot of stuff. That also because it's new build as well so you know, things that would be the same regardless if it's a car park or a new retail space but just like insulation like you know things that it, it's an existing building but it was destined to be a car park so it never needs to be heated or cooled yeah, yeah, never yeah. needed insulation now we're going to be going in there and putting air source heat pumps and air conditioners and stuff in there we've got to fit out this huge concrete box which is theoretically quite well insulated by way of its structure but from an EPC standard it's all boring technical yeah. stuff it needs to be as good as a house essentially yeah yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. But long and short of it, it's fucking expensive. <laughs> I can imagine. Because car parks are notoriously cold yeah. things. Yeah. Um, that's, that's uh, you know, I think, again, we'll, we'll be all right with the, a lot of the space will be still unheated, still car park designated, yeah. just frankly, because we can't afford to make the whole thing like a warm yeah. greenhouse. And also Vacuum. we have to allow airflow through the fumes and slightly different from Fire Egg's point of view as well than the current building. 
Um, whereas the kind of retail side of it, the front house, showroom, bar space, restaurant, everything will be a lot better um, in terms of its heating and efficiency yeah. than this place has been. This, the building we sat in was built in the 60s and is, yeah, a part of it was built in the 60s that we're in. Um, and it's far from efficient, to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most yeah. expensive thing in the world to heat and run. Um, so it'll pay for itself in the long run, the new place. Do you, do you, are you, in your mind, do you, when you've moved in and obviously everything still evolves and, and all that, do you, do you think like a weight, will a weight drop off your shoulders of the, like this, you've always known there is an end date that's been so flexible? So many people are going to me being like, oh, you must be tired, you must be heartbroken about moving. And you know what, yeah, I genuinely, I've said this and I'll say this again, I do not want to be in the country the day this building comes down. I don't even, I, I, yeah, I don't yeah, know, yeah, I mean, yeah. drunk on a beach somewhere, <laughs> drowning my sorrows. Um, but it was inevitable, right? We've got to be realistic and grown up about this. Yeah. We've been hugely lucky to have the stay of execution that we've had. Um, we're kind of counting our chickens. It's been, yeah, it's been amazing. And the the experiences and the journey and the adventures and the memories that have been created in the extended time alone yeah. is phenomenal, right? It, it's helped put us on the map. It's helped the business grow. Uh, it, yeah, we've met the relationships we've built and maintained as a result of that. And, 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 and the impact on the community, both car-wise and local. And I, I can't be more grateful. So I'm realistic about it. I'm heartbroken about it, of course. But... The peace of mind of having a yeah. long lease, <laughs> kind of our name above the door and not having to wait, knowing that it has been built to a standard, I'm not going to be having to patch the roof up every yeah. winter. I'm not going to, oh, honestly, it's the bane of my life. And that, again, has become a full-time job for somebody else. I'm having to salary and maintain yeah. stuff, like plug holes in walls, basically. Um, it's not been the most uh, easy. It's, it's a lot sorry, of stress. Not, yeah, but, yeah, I can't speak. It's not been the least stressful thing in the world. It's been, yeah, quite a lot. Um, I think uh, for my own sanity, it'd be quite nice to be able to just ease into it. And it, obviously then as well, it means I can apportion more focus onto the stuff that I do enjoy doing more. There's nothing enjoyable about dealing with tenants phoning you in the middle of the night saying, yeah. oh, I'm on a roof leaking. And <laughs> no, I'm not knocking it either. Like, fair play, they're roof leaking. We've got to deal with it. It's not yeah. their fault. Um, but yeah, and they, don't want to, they don't want to be dealing with it either. So, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for that peace of mind and I uh, hope it goes as well as I'm planning for it too yeah the next sort of the next version the next iteration and then i presume you're going to keep just expanding laterally you're, you've got that side but then you seem like you're you're always like okay i want to you know progress this side that side that side so take up in all other spaces and keep the other businesses going yeah, so there's plans in the works to coincide with the opening of this because we're not going to be we're not going to be able to replicate a lot of what we have got here. So we yeah. need some additional workshop space as an example. So we're looking actively at the moment. We found a site which should be perfect. We're in negotiations on it at the moment. It's still in Brentford for a lot more of our workshop side of things to go. Yeah. We're keeping the workshop building that we've already got on the other side of the road here, but some of the existing tenants on this side of the road we need to well, we don't need to, but we would like to keep yeah. under our umbrella. Their tenants are independent, they can do what they want. But the nice thing about it is they're all really keen to stay with us and under yeah. our sort of tenure as well, which is great. Because we've got cool. an awesome like, work community here as well. It's not just about people who visit the site, the kind of day-to-day -day stuff. You, you've got businesses that would otherwise be on an industrial estate, you know, soulless kind of. Yeah. There's, there's, no, there's no necessary relationship with their neighbours or whatever. Um, whereas here, everyone's integrated. Everyone does, you know, we help each other out on jobs and... Socially, we always have a drink in the pub after work. It, it, it's a really nice melting pot. And yeah. It feels like we all work together, even though there's very many companies and whatever yeah. else. It's really cool. Um, so that, I think there's, there's a huge push to kind of try and keep that keep together that, yeah. from the tenants, which is awesome. It's not like we're having to sort of convince them to stay or whatever. Um, it will take some of that once we find the new space and get them to sign off on it. But um, the site that we found, I think, is going to be perfect for it. Is, um, is the pub staying? Pub stays. The developer doesn't actually own that. I mean, the, whether... The, what happens to the pub in the long, long term remains to be seen. But the, um, the the general gist of it is they won't get away with turning it into anything other than a pub, regardless of right, okay. it or what happens to it. So mum still runs that. She did an amazing job of it. Um, it that's going to have a kind of uh, a refresh over the Christmas period as well. So it's going to come back in the new year with a new food offering. It's got a new image to it as well. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And we've got, um, yeah, got some cool plans for it in the new year. But for the time being, that very much stays. It is going to end up being the little house in Up. Yeah. It's surrounded <laughs> by building work. Because um, is this all the site we're on now? Is that going to be sort of flats and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, so I think from memory, it's about 300 flats go on top of 
our yeah. current building. And there's people, you know, we, we've got a great relationship with the developer and we, would, you know, we don't want to stick any spanners in the works. And people go, oh, we should campaign to keep it. It's like, dude, they, if they're going to put 300 flats on top of this, there's nothing monetary-wise yeah. or otherwise that we can do that's going to stop this from happening. Um, and frankly, it's, it, it'd be long run for the, the town and the greater good. It's a benefit. Yeah. It's frustrating for us having to move, but the new place gives us peace of mind. And you've, you've been able to use this place because... It was going to be developed. Precisely. We would never have been able to afford to be in this compact, yeah. like this footprint, in this, this part of London, regardless, if it had been a new polished steel shed yeah. that was £30 a square foot, blah, 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 forget about it. You know, and do you think, I, I mean, who knows, do you think you'll always try and stay in Brentford? Well, what we're looking to do at the moment, in addition to opening the existing yeah. kind of stuff that we mentioned, um, is we want to open a site slightly further out. Um, so yeah, that's somewhere. Of, yeah, it, we, we've got a plan. Um, I'll disclose more when I can. But, sure, um, sure. Yeah, it's going to be cool. It'd be a, a separate brand per se. It's still be under Duke of London, but um, something different. Something different. Um, I, let's let's get let's get onto a little bit of cars. I if so, we live not too far from each other, um, and I see always see you cruising around in. I, I know it's you because it's an interesting car, and I don't I don't necessarily know until I until you get closer, and then I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah, that's Merlin and the Mustang or whatever. Um, but I've seen a um, an interesting coloured Ferrari cruising around. Um, talk to me about this, your Testarossa. Which have you had? How long have you had the Testarossa for? Uh, almost two years. Yeah, um, or in March last year. And then, and what state did you buy it in? It was yeah, Min. Yeah. So I I spent. It was I wanted to buy one for my birthday at the end of March, and I must have looked for I looked hard for about six or seven weeks which for me to maintain focus on anything for six or seven weeks is profound <laughs> uh, especially when it comes to buying a car we went to see quite a few and I was went to see what you know, proclaimed to be the best one on the market based yeah. on its mileage and you know, the price of it and whatever else it was out in Birmingham Georgia and I drove out one afternoon to have a look at it and got there and it was an 11,000 mile car like UK car really nice thing oh, um, super low yeah and but you know with it it felt crispy Okay. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah. it, driving it, it was kind of like you, you couldn't fault the mileage. Like it backed up by all the paperwork. Yeah. There was no way that car had done anything more than eleven thousand miles. It was mint. But with that to drive, it just felt like hard and cold. And I, I can't describe it. The seats were like the leather was immaculate. Yeah. But to sit in, it was almost uncomfortable, and it rattled and squeaked. But in a way that it clearly had never been apart. Just it was. Yeah. I, I don't know. It just had no. It felt a bit soulless. Which, yeah. I know it sounds silly because it's like a box fresh thing, but it just didn't. <laughs> Feel right. I don't, didn't I feel I quite right. No. Um, so you bought it? No, I didn't buy that one. So okay. I was driving back and I, I said to the guy, you know, I'll think about it and whatever else. And was driving back and you know, Georgia was with me and she, she sort of had the same opinion of it. She said, like, you know, A, if you feel, she didn't come out in it, the guy who owned it took me out in it. She said, if you felt like that, if you didn't, you know, it didn't warm your cockles, then it was probably not a car for you but also what are you going to do with it you're going to be driving it everywhere you're yeah. going to drive it in all weathers you're going to yeah, I know what you're like I said no you're, it's a really good point there's no point in me paying what was a premium for that a very car. nice yeah, it was yeah, a really yeah. nice car um, it was red as well and I, that was the other caveat I didn't want a red one I didn't want a red one and I didn't want a black one Yeah. Um, I would have considered a yellow one but really what I wanted was like a blue or a white or um, white was like peak but there yeah. was none available at the time and I was just hugely impatient so I went to see kind of all the ones that proclaimed to be good that were on the market at that point. And as we were driving back from seeing this car in Birmingham, um, I was just flicking through eBay and one picked up, uh, picked one up on um, a classified ad on eBay, just one photo of it, sat in the showroom down at Autofacina in Epsom and just said, you know, just arrived, details coming soon. Yeah. Um, it was a left-hand drive. Uh, I could see it was a Eurospec car, late 90 car, so it's a you know, five lug wheels <laughs> and the two mirrors. Um, but it done... What it done at the time, 25,000 kilometers, I think. So again, really low mileage. Um, but had been in Japan, bit of a gap in the history. Yeah. It was a really, uh, it, nothing horrific either, but just by comparison to the other car, it wasn't the kind of yeah. box fresh thing that the other yeah. one pretended to be. It had an aftermarket exhaust on it already, which was something I was going to do regardless. It saved me a fortune. Um, and phoned them and so said, you're like, well, where's the original exhaust? I'm going to have to take some money off. Yeah, 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 uh, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I phoned them and it was Friday afternoon and they said, look, we shut at six. So I will be there at six, but I promise you I'm not wasting your time. Never dealt with them before. I kind of knew the son of the owner a little bit from our car meets. So they stayed open for us. 
Went to see it. Yeah, went out for a drive. And at this point, I had um, I'd broken my right arm, so it was left-hand drive car. <laughs> and miraculously, and Lewis, to your credit, thank you very much for this. But he let me test drive, <laughs> and I was shifting gears with my yeah. right arm in a left-hand drive car, which is how I had to drive it for the first few months of owning it till my arm plate. Sounds up. safe. Yeah, it was really safe. I mean, it did like, like ten thousand kilometers like that. <laughs> and um, we went back and forth on the price. They had it on sale or return. And annoyingly, oh, I wanted to take it home that day. I'm really yeah. impatient when it comes to my own stuff. Customer cars from buying site for stock. I can buy it with a cold heart. Yeah. I'm the worst for buying. I shouldn't admit this. <laughs> I'm the worst <laughs> for buying my own cars. <laughs> I just have to have it. So we went back and forth on the price. The guy who owned it was on holiday in South America. They couldn't get hold of him, time difference, whatever else. And I was just like, oh, God, really? Oh, okay. So I, I left him with an offer and said, Look, just call me once you've... Yeah, once you got you heard back from him, we did, we had we had had some interaction from the guy, but he'd gone offline, and he said, "I'm not taking less than X amount," and I'd offer them a little bit less. Yeah. Left them with the offer, got to from them to the Kingston uh, roundabout in yeah, it was what's all of three quarters of a mile up the road, and George was in silence. I was like, "What? What have I done wrong now? <laughs> You're an idiot." Like, what do you mean? It's a dealership. It's going to come with a warranty. It's the nicest one. It's clearly the one that makes you happy. It's got the exhaust on it you want, <laughs> and you're going to lose it over what was two grand. Yeah. I was just like, call the guy back. <laughs> so I did, <laughs> and I went back and I paid him what they wanted for it. And um, yeah, I picked it up the next day, and oh, it was just best day ever. I was so so. This is a car that I'd wanted nonstop. It's one of the few cars I can hand on heart say that I've never gone out of like kind of the love with the idea yeah. of something. Certainly, it was the only one at the time that I could afford. So I thought, this is going to be it. I've got, I have to do it. And I, I had this sort of silly goal in my head. I wanted one before I was 30, and I bought it on my 28th birthday and was like, this yeah, is, I've got nice. it. Um, so, yeah, that that has been with me since March last year. We've done all sorts with it. We went straight off uh, last, the first summer all over Europe in it, um, got it back. And then at the beginning of this year, we drove it to the ice in San Moritz. Incredible event. Skis on the roof, you know, oh, yeah. sort of um, very posing. I was looking at Instagram the nonsense. videos and stuff from that <laughs> recently. Dude, going, the, the, I need to get there. You have to, have to, have to come out in, in, in Feb. It's just balmy. It's that kind of, we, we do eccentricity organically and really like naturally. The I, I feel like we completely misjudge just how well they can do it on the continent as well. The kind of, I, honestly, I, I, it blows my mind. The amount of production that's gone into what is realistically quite a small event. Yeah. It's phenomenal. You've got like backflipping ice skating waiters making you a martini <laughs> and you're like, this is great. It's a great place to just people watch, look at the cars and yeah. just get pissed for the afternoon. It's sick. Watch these guys drift their 250 GTOs and stuff around the lake and you're like, this is... Like, what, like, is, what this? is this? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a real pinch yourself kind of ordeal. Um, credit to the team that put that on. Um, so yeah, we went out for that, and then on the way home, I got it seized by the French police, which was fun, <laughs> um, and that was a whole ordeal in itself. But going back to what I said about the first car, I went to uh, the, the other car I went to look at that day. I bought this one. I didn't want a red one, and this is a red car, black interior. Yeah, really nice car. Been really well looked after. Been owned by a guy who I knew of, like a sort of prominent Ferrari collector in the UK for about 12, 13 years. He'd brought it in from Japan. Uh, yeah, people get funny about the Japanese import stuff, but usually it means it's been. Fucking yeah. meticulously they've got no maintained. documents because no. they yeah. don't keep it <laughs> no. but like yeah so this was the gap in the history so early stuff and there was this sort of like 10 year gap in the history with Japan but the car's pristine and it, it you know faultless I would say faultless it's still a Ferrari but yeah uh, <laughs> um, so I kind of weighed up for the fact that fine it's a red car but you know ultimately it's kind of one of the few Ferraris I feel can get away with being red yeah. uh, and kind of convince myself it was the right thing to do but always wanted to change it um, so yeah, thanks to Litchfield um, earlier this year, they took it on. Now, what made you choose them? So uh, <laughs> Rice being okay. the main yeah, no, factor, I'd say. Um, the team they were great. Uh, dealt with Riley. Uh, Ian was lovely too, and uh, they did an awesome job. I mean, frankly, the job they've done it looks sick. Is insane. You would not. I mean, so PPS for those who don't know is like um, a peelable paint paint protection spray. They call it. Um, there's other companies that offer it in the UK as well but essentially they spray down a peelable PPF uh, base coat on top of your original paint so they get your original paint detailed into the nines they have to strip off any coating so my car was ceramic coated so they have to polish all that off get it to the best possible finish on its original paint then spray this everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems but getting therapy has its own problems too 
like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Yeah, clear plastic PPF, whatever it is. I don't mm. think it's actually clear when they put the cover on it, but they put this PPF spray on it. And then paint it over the top. Yeah, like they you should just paint it, basically, yeah. don't they? So everyone's going, oh, it looks like paint. It's like, well, it is it paint. Is paint <laughs> but it's so difficult to try and explain it to people because it's a, it's a wrap. I'm like, it's not a wrap. Okay, it's fine. But the finish on it is that of paint because it is paint on top yeah. of this peelable base coat. And when you're done with it or whatever, they, they warranty it for three years. They reckon, I don't think they've had one done for seven or eight years, but they reckon it's good for seven or eight years. And yeah. We'll see. Um, but it's about... For the, for the amount of work that goes into strip and refit, and fair play to them, they've also said they'll never do another Testarossa for this price. <laughs> yeah. I think they said their strip and fit guy nearly walked out over <laughs> And what was supposed to be a five-week thing took a little bit longer. But I know that I, I didn't really have yeah. to, I didn't want to chase them. Because they I were knew, like, okay, there's no way they could get the price. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they were really good about it. It went up a little bit, the price, but that was more yeah. than fair for the job that they did. Um, and yeah, so they... Um, went back and forth with me. I think we had about 25 different spray outs of different shades of different colors. At one point it was going to be pink. And um, yeah, they, they did a really, really cool uh, blend of two shades of uh, Ferrari Nocciola. So hazelnut, uh, metallic brown. It's sort of bronze in some lights, gold in others, chocolate brown at night. What was the inspiration? The inspiration, the, the Parmigiani. The color. Fun, yeah. So actually, funny enough, it was at the ice. The first year I went to the ice, uh, the year before last, um, there was, uh, yeah, um, Andrea Parmigiani's got a 250 Lusso in Nocciola. In that, that there's about somewhere between seven and 13 shades of Nocciola that Ferrari yeah. did um, out the factory. And there's so little information by way of color codes and things like that yeah. available online. So you look at a lot of the cars that out there that purport to be that color, and you're like, well, that's orange, and that one's yeah, brown. Yeah, they're not the same. No, but um, it sort of varies era to era. But this Lusso is 250 Lusso. Oh, my God. And on the lake in the light, Alex Penford got an amazing set of photos of it, and I just kept going sick. back to this and kept going back to this. Um, and I dropped him a line on Instagram, and I said, uh, yeah, he's really helpful with what... Um, he spoke to his dad and found out exactly kind of what the shade was that they'd had the car done in, and... Um, yeah, really, really a huge thanks to them for that. Um, and yeah, went to back to Litchfield and finally mixed up two different variants. So we went for a blend of what their car is and one of the other kind of factory variants. Um, and yeah, blown away with it. George, I'm colorblind so badly. <laughs> so I had to, it was, George was like, what do, you, what do you think of that? She's like, that's like little green. I'm like, no, it doesn't. Oh, okay, if it does, it does. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it came out really well. And again, it's sort of gold in direct sunlight. Yeah. And then it's, bronze in kind of daylight it's dark brown at night and yeah i'm really really i've seen it around and it 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 absolutely fits that car it's weird that they never did that they did one marone car like a dark sort of um maroon brown uh, yeah maroon brown um you know what i'm trying to say um which sold at rm pebble year before last for an obscene amount of money i think about three hundred thousand pounds otherwise standard test but in that um in that brown mahogany brown sort of thing and that Kind of didn't suit it. It was almost a dull. And it was a color I was going to do this because it was yeah. a test or a color theoretically with the one they made from factory. But it didn't really suit it. It looked a little bit slab sided. It was quite a dull. Didn't uh, it just didn't just, quite work. No. For some reason, whereas this yeah. is quite bling, and I think that lends itself quite well to that cliche eighties. Yeah. You know, noise that it's of bling, the design of it. But yeah. it's also brown, so it's like it's not a. It's no. not in your face. And I, I think the only thing I can say that sort of I was like oh, about it. I kind of wanted to wind people up with it. Okay, yeah, yeah. But the reaction from everyone, or even on the like Ferrari chat forums, yeah. and stuff, has been phenomenal. Everyone's like, it "Looks amazing." I'm like, oh, I mean, thank you, but yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll do it fluorescent yellow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been it's been really really lovely actually. The comments we've had on the car, so um, yeah, really 
happy with how it came out. But now it's gone full circle where, yes, I bought it and I've been not precious about driving it and I feel like, oh, I can't use it in the snow. And <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, no, I love that car. Oh, it looks, it looks, it looks sick. In terms of um, things coming in and things going out in here, are you seeing any sort of trends? What's, what's going up? What's going down? Um, General market. Market's on its arse. I mean, there's no point of sitting here and waxing lyrical about it. Um, it's not beyond viable to still sell a car by any stretch. Um, I think it's just where we saw stuff getting hyperinflated through COVID. And you could kind of foresee a lot of it coming. Things like, you know, people with silly backdate 911s and stuff like that, you know, who would do such was well, sold. <laughs> yeah, no, I know I did well done. I think you did well, not be rude, but I think you did well to get out of that. Like yeah. it, it, that, that market, your car was a really, really, really good car in my opinion. But there were so many things so many, trying to be your, like not your car per se, but that kind of caliber of- like, So many cars thing. that are sort of on paper the same. And I'm, I would say, say mine was like quite a nice one, but it still had, you know, they've all got their issues and, and whatever. And there's just so much stuff that's the same. Yeah. So it's very difficult to distinguish. But I think we, I think what's distinguishing about your car, or what was your car, is the fact that it had been built and it had been documented and it was done to a proper standard. Whereas a lot of these guys are sending like three litre SCs or 3.2 Carreras to body shops and just, you know, yeah. going to yeah, like, yeah, design yeah. 911, buying some panels and whacking them on and going, oh, backdate. And you're like, yeah, fair enough. Like, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But you can't then put a 120 grand price tag on it. It doesn't. Yeah. That doesn't you don't have a name. No, no, no. And behind it, it. Yeah, and it also, if you're not upgrading the engine or the suspension and the brakes with it as well, it's still a non-original. Yeah, yeah. In my mind, it's actually worth less than a what's a nice example, well, Carrera or whatever. That's. I think for me, one of the things that was happening, and I, I sold that car because I just wasn't using it, and I sort of went, if I'd liquidated the cash in it, like one, would I keep this car for twenty years and? financially, is it going to do anything over 20 years? And I was like, no, it's not whatsoever. If I liquidate the money now, would I buy it again right now? And the answer was no, because I, I just don't use it. And I've, I've used it a lot and had the fun and, and whatnot. But it's um, it, it does feel like a funny sort of those cars. It does feel like a funny time. Like now you kind of go, well, they are what they are. Yeah, They're always going to sort of be worth some money. But at the same time, they're never going to be worth but equally, loads. Your car meant a lot to you. You chose oh, yeah, the colours. You, you, I mean, that, that was you went on a build process with that. The notion you're buying someone's thing that might have projector headlights that you don't like, or they might have a centre fuel cap on the bonnet which you don't like, or it, it's there's such a person because there's a, a, a plethora of parts available for them, and you know, the limit, you know, the options are limitless. You're building something that's so tailored. It's like trying to sell your tailored suit to somebody else. It, yeah, it's, it's still worth something because it's got the badge in it, but it's not going to be to everyone's you're not going to tick every box for someone and that's why I think we're seeing it's definitely with the higher end stuff because you can go to so many people that will build you and like a really nice car whatever you want and do it really well but I think we're seeing a trend towards and it's something I've been chatting to some people about is basically if you're the person making it kind of make a product we've seen it we're seeing it etc etc like make a product that people know what it is. And then if you want to change it a little bit for the customers, fine, happy days. But when they come to sell it, people know what it is. They don't have is. to explain it. They right? don't have to explain it. You go, oh, it's a singer, yeah. not a 964 or, yeah. that's got a carbon body Precisely. and blah, 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 blah. blah. Yeah. And um, if you want to do the carbon body 964, cool, but be prepared that it's your car and whatever you're spending on it, you're losing. Yeah, right? yeah you're never getting you it You've got to take it on the chin. Like, that's, be, yeah, whatever. Or you, you've, bought, you've built yourself a 911K with Tut Hill. Or, yeah. You know what it is then. You know, yeah, it's got yeah. a badge to it. It's got a name to it. It's funny, like that, it, it was the 911K. I, I think that, I don't know whether they were originally, I don't think they planned to build more when they started the process. And then they did it because Philip is mad and was like, <laughs> let's let's do this. It's going to be sick. Um, and then you get to the end. So it started as one of those projects that was like, I just want to make this. Mm. And then they kind of branded it, not for any particular reason. No, that's it's kind of literally, what makes it cool. It's like literally just like, it's his car. And then they've gone, but you can have one the same. And it's become a product. So people go, well, I want a 911K, which is kind of, that's kind of funny in itself because it, but with that, it's become, and I think as well, given you know, you, you, 
you've only got to watch one video about it online, mm. uh, the Chris Harris video on it, and you can't help but want one. And then you kind of come out the other end of it and they, they've you've created, as you rightfully say, a card that sits up there with Singer in terms of not having to have an introduction, not having to be yeah. justified. Uh, yeah, they're eye-wateringly expensive, but no one cares. They can see it's straight past that. It's an amazing example of quite a cool concept, executed well, and then delivered through social media, etc. Like that Chris Harris video, that's one of the best automotive videos I've seen in a long time. Yeah, just because it just hits you. And you're like, Sh- I, I, I actually, after that went, I don't think I want to own that car. Like it looks, <laughs> I'd love to drive it, but I don't think I want to own it. It's like a bit, I think it's a bit too rowdy for like what I want out of a car. <laughs> uh, if, if I handed you like a somewhat unlimited budget, let's just say an unlimited budget for a project that you're like, I would love to do, that's, you know, like 911K or whatever. What, what, is there anything in your mind that you're like, I would really love to just to do X, Y, Z, ignoring the financials? It's not like, a, I've got a couple of things in build at the moment. So we're building a, um, a Alpha Julia Super, mm. I've had quite a nice, you know, um, build process with, but it's a bit, a bit a bittersweet story. I sold it to a friend of mine who sadly took his own life uh, a couple of years ago. And I, uh, yeah, we, we, when I did sell it to him initially, um, we always had the agreement that he would, I would have first refusal. And yeah, fair play to bless her. His, his, um, his lovely wife, Kate, she honoured that agreement um, and I, I bought it back off of her. Um, we had always joked, Charles and I, who uh, had owned yeah. the car, we'd always joked that we would, yeah, what would we do? Let's do this and let's do this. I built the car to a fast road spec. It had 180 horsepower, two litre Nord in it. Um, built by an amazing engineer up in uh, Norfolk called Titus Rodenson. Is he Norfolk or Suffolk? He'll hate me for getting that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then all the alcoholic stage two suspension bits. And so I built it to kind of a point. I didn't yeah. want to spend 40 grand on titanium alcoholic suspension bits because yeah. uh, the car was worth less than that. Um, I couldn't afford to. Um, but we built this kind of real riotous thing. Um, but we always joke, oh, I'd, yeah, I'd build the alcoholic GTA aspect you know, twin spark for yeah. it and I'd do it this colour and I'd do and now I bought the car back. I've decided actually again inspired by another great piece of automotive journalism, Henry Catchpole did a video on the super that Alcoholics did build. Yeah. The, the dark silver car. Uh, and again, watch that phone Titus immediately. I was like, right, get on the phone, Travelholics, we're building this engine. But he's like, what the fuck? Your engine's done three thousand miles. There's nothing wrong with it. I said, I've got someone another mate of ours wants to buy the engine. That's fine. That's sold. That'll part fund the price. <laughs> fucking mental. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the car. Um, and so we've now done a, like a massive strip down the car. We've smoothed out a lot. It was debumpered, but we've smoothed out the front end of it. We've done da 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 da. But long and short of what your question was, that's a car that I'd always wanted to build. Yeah. I'd love a 911K. I can't afford 911K. So um, I, uh, mum, uh, I, I found a 72 Targa US spec car, UK registered in Malta during lockdown. Weird whole conundrum yeah. of events led to us um, finding this car. Um, I didn't have the money at the time. She bought the car for herself. It needed an engine rebuild. Um, it went to the wrong person to do a load of work on it. Long story short, we got it back. It was in pieces, blah, blah, blah. And um, she had had, when we were growing up, two, she had a 911E, 69 e and she had a 3.2 Carrera cab that she'd sold to sort of help us through school yeah. or whatever else. So I sort of felt morally obliged to help <laughs> her out with this car. Um, so I sent the engine off That's to nice. the, the boys at Tut Hill who were building um, like a hot, 2.7 to kind of RS plus spec, mm-hmm. about 240, 250 horsepower, um, MFI lump um, with their rally X pipe exhaust on it. And it's got the KNN stack filters on it as well. So it's gonna sound awesome. Um, should pull like a train, Wevo shifter on the 915 and uh, uprated suspension and brakes. Um, and whilst I can't afford the 911K, we've now gone down the route of we're doing the whole body in carbon. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, the only thing that I'm gonna, have to, I can't not buy is their um, 911k steering wheel. It's just one oh, of the most beautiful so things nice. ever made. That flex carbon, yeah, for yeah. the flex carbon, yeah, um, sort, of, sort of RSR style, yeah, so. exactly. Um, so we've done their, their steering wheels. I've I've sat in two cars that I've gone, these are some of the nicest they just steering are, wheels, like and one was that car, 911k, and I think you can, you can just buy their steering wheel, um, and the other was it was a very similar design but more modern in the um that rally singer thing yes. they built yeah yeah that was a six that was like a kind of a modern version of the same thing yeah. so nice it's a yeti thing yeah 
Um, so yeah, that's that's a long way. So what we we're having the engine, um, it will all be on that. Yeah, the lovely um, amber engine. Um, what would you call it? Uh, the engine uh, tinware. Sorry. So in that lovely amber weave mm. um, fiberglass, and it, it's going to look really cool. So that car's coming along, but we're going to run it initially we're going to run the engine in we're going to bolt the end all the brakes and suspension already fit to what's the donor shell which is still a rolling shell at the moment we're going to bolt the engine in as the car is so it's a real patented california car yeah um but it's going to have this silly larry type lump <laughs> and all this suspension on it. so i'll run it for the first part of next year while we're paying to build the show yeah <laughs> uh, and then the plan is to strip it at the end of next year and we'll do a full carbon um body on it and everything else so we're going to shape with yeah it's going to have uh, like Lexan windows, but even the rear windscreen. I've got a guy, uh, Neil Meliard at ProSign, who's going to fake the heated rear windscreen element in pinstriping by hand. <laughs> I want it to look completely stock, yeah. um, but be this like lightweight thing. So we should shave about 200 kilos out of the weight of the car. So that that's quite interesting. Like Those are both projects that probably make no financial sense no, whatsoever. whatsoever but they're also a lot cheaper to, because we're doing it in the trade and i'm you know yeah. whilst all the internals on the alphas engine for instance um, i didn't get to this, so the, the engine that we're building is inspired by the henry the car yeah. henry drove so that's going to be sort of two point something 2.1 2.2 twin spark alphaholics internal so we're buying all the parts from alphaholics but i'm never going to can't ever say it's a, an alphaholics yeah. gtar and frankly it, it doesn't matter because it's not going to cost me 300 yeah. grand to build it um, but you're right, it makes no financial sense whatsoever. These are two very much passion project cars. Obviously, the Porsche is still very much for my mum. Yeah. Uh, it's just what she wanted. Um, she's like, I'm not going to have to drive this fucking thing. I'm, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've been a bit selfish with that. Uh, I think she appreciates it. I hope she does. Um, the only sure. other thing that's not in process that, again, wouldn't make financial sense, I would love to put the testosterone throttle bodies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just because. I mean, it was quite... That it was done quite regularly, especially in Japan in the like, 90s and noughties. And the internals on the bottom end are so strong. Um, they're 380 horsepower, so but you can, yeah, with a Motec on there, you can push them to just shy 500 horsepower without any sort of mechanical modifications. I did a podcast with an Italian guy, completely failing my mind, who built a Restomod Tessarossa. The white one. The white yeah, one. Yeah, it's a cool car. I, I, I know... The company you mean, I don't know the name of it, but it's it called Good Looking Car. Um, and they did, yeah, their engine I think was like 500 or, or yeah. something, but like it's that. all stock internals. There's, yeah, they're, they're so hyper rated. And you look at the Koenig specials and stuff, the turbocharged cars, the, the, the entry level turbo cars were stock internals the whole way through. They, they're oh, wow, so yeah. strong that they can take it. You, you don't touch wood, it'll be me that blows one up, <laughs> but you, you don't hear of it. Testros's you know, fuel system yeah. electric's fine, but the bottom ends or top ends don't usually give mm. way. Um, so yeah, that, that's something I'd love. If I end up keeping that car forever, that's something I'd, I'd love to do. Yeah. It's, it's it's a tricky balance, isn't it? You go like, well, this would be nice, but I have to stop at some point. Yeah. And like, I have to be somewhat sensible in some way, shape or form over time. But where, where does that line go? Who knows? Over time, I think it just keeps growing. Yeah. Uh, and you get more and more ambitious. And I think one thing that I've been massively guilty of is you kind of, do build these things and then go right what's next yeah and you don't yeah, spend yeah. enough time actually appreciating it as a car mm. um so i'm trying to sort of rein it in a bit and be like no no, no. that's why we've gone to, yeah build it to the end i think there's a there's a big part of that that's been made up by getting a project to a point where it's it becomes like you know, you, you spend as much as you can or want to on it but you kind of know in niggling in the back of your head oh, i wish i'd done that i wish i'd yeah. done that yeah yeah and you can never fully and whether it'll make a difference the end result to the point that's going to appease that in a curiosity, probably not. But with the Alpha, as an example, we are doing everything to, you know, there's not going to be anything like that's left wishing yeah. we'd done more to, which I'm quite excited about because I think it should fly that car. Yeah, um, the final. Because I remember you, I, I feel like it was that one. Who I was I was talking about Alphas with you and you were like, oh, I've got this Alpha that we've been messing with a bit and it's an absolute riot. Um, I presume it's the same car. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that was like with 180 horsepower, so with yeah. 230, 240, it should, <laughs> it should be quite fun. Um, I'm quite looking forward to it. I think it will be. It will be. Um, I think this is probably quite a good point to sort of start start wrapping things up and keep keep people hanging on for a bit more. Uh, you've done these the five car questions quite a few times, so I'll, I'll dial it back. Uh, what do you think is the most, what's undervalued? Is there anything undervalued at the moment? Anything taking a dip or that you're like, hmm, 
yeah. actually that makes it interesting again. It's, it's, well, yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there that I think is coming off the boil that, you know, for whatever reason, be it they were hyperinflated through COVID prices, E-types at the moment, you know, they, where they, no Series 1, 3.8, you know, outside, bonnet, outside locking bonnet or not, in my head, is a 200 grand car. It just does not. They make hundreds of thousands of these things. Whereas a kind of 80 grand for a really nice Series 1, that's a cool car. That's Yeah, that's something you're like, well, actually. Or at 50 grand for a 4.2 yeah. US spec Series 1, you're going, well, hang on, that what? That's that's a hell of a lot of car for the money. Um, so that's something that's kind of piqued my curiosity. Things like um, R107 um, SLs, they're, they're coming up. They're massively coming up, but I still think that they're massively undervalued. Uh, when you look at, yeah, they're still a third of the they're price really cool. of a Pagoda, and they're daily drivable. Um, and with that, the 129s that then followed it, I think because of the way ULEZ has hit those, in London especially, you can't, we haven't got any in stock anymore because we just can't sell them for the money that everyone wants for them. Yeah. They, they'll come back, but for the time being, what's a really nice 18 to 20 grand car two, three years ago is now a 12 grand car. And you're like, what? This yeah. is crazy. Like, you know, Cam V8 in it and doesn't make any sense to me but i think they represent really really good value at the moment stuff that i think i mean this is with a sort of selfish motivation i really want a bentley super sports you know, the first mm. gen 2010 car I, I went i was driving to see one two weeks ago got 20 minutes away from the guy's house he fucking phoned me and went oh sorry i sold it what uh, are they now uh 35 that's a lot of car that's a lot of car for the money and they don't go i feel like they don't go that wrong I feel like if they do go wrong it's expensive but I don't think they go that wrong I think the, the engine's the, pretty solid yeah the engine's great it's, it's things like um, sensors and modules and stuff but the where the super, where the lot of the sort of 14, 15 grand Continental GTs are an absolute liability to inherit because they've been cheap for a long time and difficult then to, you know, or you know, disproportionately expensive to maintain they haven't been maintained properly the Super Sports is almost immune from that it's the latest sort of um, facelift of that first gen and so with that, it's got a lot of improvements over the sort of 2006, 2007 cars. But moreover, because they were so expensive to buy, none of them have done 100,000 miles. They've all done 30 to 60 at a push. One owner. Yeah, <laughs> quite. And most of them have got full Bentley history because they're still worth yeah. a bit of money. Most of them have been meticulously maintained and really well looked after. Um, and there's not a lot of options on them. So I, it has to have, I want, a, I want a GT, not a GTC, and I want the two-seater options, the two bucket seats out of the Veyron with the rear strap brace. But, uh, you know, there was one passed up on eBay, um, again, sort of private seller, classified ad last week, I just missed out, I literally, uh, you know, clearly he was bombarded, but he put up for 30 grand and it sold immediately with 60,000 miles on it. Seven owner car, 60,000 miles, loads of history. But that's like for 30 grand, that's just obscene. It's like, that's a crazy amount. Of, it's not even like Golf GTI money anymore. That's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I think they, they've got uh, in the years to come, I think they should be heralded as. I was speaking to uh, Mike Sayer from Bentley about this, and he, yeah, whether I should say what he said or not, but he said it's the best car that they've made because it's just so versatile in terms of everything it did and for the money it costs now. It's like it's incomparable. Yeah. Um, the new Conti GT is a whole other level. It's like, a, like one of the best cars I've ever driven. I really like the new ones. Me too. But then it's we're talking about so cars like nearly fifty or is it fifteen percent of the price? Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the guys at the factory all said that that was their car. That was the one that they were most proud nice. of. Nice. I think that's a good, good thing to kind of own as yeah, well. Yeah, that is cool. With the with the new ones, I remember when they came out, they didn't have, it lost the image. The previous one had a, had an image at that time of like real like football Footballer, type yeah, thing. Yeah. Whereas the new one has no, in my eyes, has never had that. And I looked at it and went, right, okay, these are 150, 60, 70, whatever they are new, 200 or something. Okay, in about five years' time, they should be about 40. And there's, so, there's still 130 so, grand. Yeah, 100% I'll have one. Yeah. And they're not. <laughs> yeah, that, I think that just that it, it backs up what you said about the image. The image can be completely fair play to Bentley. They've completely rebranded that as a model. No one's knocking it anymore. It's not an ugly duckling. It's a very pretty car. But to drive, it's like driving a 911 Turbo. They're so fast. It's not as agile, of course, but it's like, they're so quick. They're so comfy. The interior is so oh, nice. Inter it's the best interior of a modern car. Yeah, I think it is, yeah. Uh, and they've done a really good job with that. With that spinning screen oh, as well. so cool. You can't, you just can't help keep pushing the button. Yeah. <laughs> and then when you put it away and you just get the, the two clocks or yeah, whatever, three two clocks, or three yeah, clocks, yeah. you're like, I remember the first time I saw that and thought, this is the only car of, of this era 
that is not going to like date horrifically in 10 years time it, because you could just you could just flip away the screen and you won't see it whereas now you look at a car and you see whatever boxes yeah. is in it I know it shares the same moniker but it couldn't be in my opinion more different in terms of its representation than the original Conti GT no. it's it's profound that they're even the same model I know they look they've got the same silhouette and the same underpinnings but yeah. they're, they're not the same car it, it's, it's funny they've done such it? a great job with that those have got to come down but they're, they're, they're genuinely they're, they're for a nice spec, you know, kind of Mulliner or whatever else, this, they really are still 130, 140 yeah. grand. And yeah, fine, they're 200 grand new. So whoever's taken a bath on the depreciation really has. Okay. But another car that is in that space, if you buy a new, if you have bought a new 911 Turbo in the last year or two, sorry, yeah, <laughs> I feel for, for you, yeah. <laughs> for like 185 grand or 100 or 200 or whatever they are, you can now go and buy one with not very many miles on it for a, in the 140s. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there's cars in the trade available yeah, for 120, 130. Which is insane. Yeah. That's mental, right? And you look at what the 991 Gen 2 Turbo S's and Turbos are trading for. It's not a lot less. And it, they're not, I mean, I actually prefer the look of the, the Gen 2 991 iteration of it than the current. I do um, like the new one though. The new one's just insane. It's, yeah. It's, that's a car that I, I need to somehow disconnect myself from, because I got my GTS and I, I kind of still wanted that. But when I was, they came through to say, do you still want it? You know, here's your build slot. I was aware that you could buy, at that point in time, turbos for the, in the 60s and I didn't want a turbo. But, they, I, it was already in my mind that like, hang on, there's some value here. And I, this is a lesson I will take forward. I really, I like my car and I'm, I'm actually going to, I'll probably keep it for a while because it was sort of what I wanted, but this is me defending the purchase of, for a silly price. But my radar of value, which was which was on when I, when I ended up buying my 812, when they were like 220, 210 to 220 was get you any 812. I was like, this feels like a lot of value which I think you only get from sort of watching and experiencing the market. My turbo value now is going, if I hadn't bought my car, I think I would be either in the next six months would be buying a turbo for one four something or one three something and going, well, there's no way it's going to be worth a hundred grand. It's like a one year old car that is a 200 grand car. They've got to come back up. Yeah, It's one of the only models alongside the Taycan that you can walk into Porsche West London this afternoon and drive out with one. Because they could can't get rid of them, and you know, out, we're not far off the Gen Twos being announced and whatever yeah, else, and which could be a hybrid and whatever. Quite, it, regardless of what it is, it's still going to do that, push the value of these yeah. ones down. Yeah, it's a bit of a, a great car for the money when they when, they, get to, the when they do hit hundred grand, which they will. That's just like unbelievable amount of and car money. That car, you get so many owners that spec them insanely. They're like, oh, well, it's the Turbo. So Turbo S, so I'll get the Burmester. I'll get, like, I'll tick all of the options. It's got ceramics, et cetera. And then you'll look at it and go, well, if I wanted to buy a new Carrera, it's going to cost me 15 grand more than buying a, a two-year-old yeah. Turbo S. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Um, final question. Five-car garage, unlimited value, you've got to fit into your life. God, it changes every time you ask me this. Um... This week, my five this week <laughs> on this day, yeah, um, five car garage would be uh, right. Let's think this through. I would love a four cam two seven five. That's probably mm -hmm. the third time I've said this on here. Yeah, that's like so. There's there. a consistent. There's a consistency in that one. Yeah, if it wasn't that, it would be an iteration of it. Um, I would like a CLK GTR mm. Roadster. Just for posing. Um, where else are we? I think I'd have to keep the Testarossa just because I love it. I, I've never bonded with a car like that before. Um, so that that's yeah. that's staying. Um, what else? Something silly and sort of fun, pre-war-y. Okay. Yeah. Lower Bentley. Something or yeah, other. Type yeah. 35 Bugatti, that sort of thing. There's your fourth and one left. Um is there anything modern in that? Not really. Have you got anything that's like reliable? No. Don't anyway. Well, do you do need I? anything? <laughs> do, you, do you need anything reliable? Uh, just have not. enough of them. You just keep yeah. rotating. Yeah. <laughs> Ask me how I know. Um, yeah, maybe something sort of more modern than 
fun and fast. Um, I think yeah, and this isn't necessarily something that it's not really a five car garage car, but on that, just to, to conclude the podcast, I think P1s have aged better than anything else. Incredibly. Oh my God. Um, Sam Fain put up a video of a black one that he's been driving around in uh, Australia, I think, at the moment. And you look at that car and the way it sits in its aero mode. And it, oh my Lord. That's one of the best looking cars ever made. So yeah, one of those. There you go. Five. Yeah. They, I think the high, that era of car the the hybrids, nine eighteen, laugh, etc., P one. They are, I think, to maintain now. I think the P ones are getting easier because there's other companies. Yeah, the on that note, they're stuff. still not a reliable car in that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, well, yeah. you've got five. Yeah. One might start. Uh, the testosterone will work. Yeah, that's been pretty good. Sometimes yeah. um, they. They seem to have a ticking time bomb, things like the P1 and stuff, on in terms of maintenance, ongoing maintenance costs because of all these hybrid powertrains. I wonder what that will happen to them long term, whether people with like laughs and stuff. I mean, does the hybrid even work in a laugh? I don't know. I'm sure it, I'm sure it does, but like, would removing it benefit? Probably. Yeah. I wonder if that's like a thing that aftermarket yeah. people will do at some point in time because... The SP3 is basically the, a similar or but slightly with, evolved without engine, the, but without um, hybrid. hybrid. And everyone's like, I'll pay more for that. Yeah, Actually, I, you know what? Uh, SP3 is car six. And the other thing that I've just thought of is the um, uh, uh, the Maserati big thing. Oh, am I having a brain fart moment? Old, the, new. The, the, the Enzo Maserati. Wow, oh, MC12. MC12. Jesus Christ. Um, it's too early in the morning, Sam. It's at least 12 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, MC12. Yeah, you have to have an MC12 in there. That's a cool thing. It's just obscenely ridiculous. They are. It's, it's a no rhyme or reason car. Interesting. Like yeah. Um, but no, you're right. I think there's... Yeah. MC12 and then skin it in a different colour. Yeah, yeah. Great. Because I, I don't actually like them in like the... Like a yellow white, or Yeah, quite. It's something silly. whatever you want to do. Um, but yeah, the, the SP3, as you say, is sort of almost the same underpinnings per se, but without that to worry about. Although that said, with the yeah, Lanzanti doing what they're doing with all the um, P1s, I think that will future-proof them to an extent. Porsche, Porsche is probably the one that's never going to go wrong, uh, he says. The Ferrari stuff, there's just going to be millions of pounds for them to make to keep them going, surely. Yeah, yeah and I'm sure the aftermarket network of people looking after them will... I wonder if there will together. be a line for some collectors and stuff in terms of... Because like race cars, race cars have hit a point where you can't run the hybrid. When they start going hybrid, it's like, nah, you just, we spent 100 million running that for a year. Do you really want to run that? Like, mm, probably not. Let's disable all of that stuff. And I wonder if in there will be a line in the sand of modern crazy stuff where anything that's hybrid kind of almost becomes like a, hmm, okay, you can run it, but, but yeah. whereas everything before that, you know, you can run it with one person and not too much issue. Well, thanks very much for coming on the podcast. Thank it's, you for having me again. Good to have great. a great chat. Nice to see you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.